the way, a lot of niggas going bad on me, please, one at a time. I wanna move to Dubai, so I don't ever had to kick it with none of you guys. I didn't listen to Hov on that old song when he told me pay it no mind. I get more satisfaction out of going at your head and seeing all of you die. And I seen a lot of you die. Free smoke, free smoke, hey. Free and smoke, now, free smoke, how you living hey, with Chaz Simmons and Mikkel Nielsen? All right, we're back once again, folks, here in Greenwood. Bonjour, shalom, what's up? And uh, how you living? That's right, we're staying alive here in the uh, Million Dollar Rooftop Studios. Bow, bow, bow. How you living, Chaz? You know what? Uh, it's interesting. It, it, we're recording this on a Thursday, and it's like right after the... Uh, syrian um, attacks happen after like as a retort to uh the chemicals that were sent on other syrians so that's kind of a hot button issue that we'll probably have to talk about later yeah that's uh that's a big issue happening right now also it's uh the middle of april you know or early april you know and so we're we're moving through into spring oh uh, yeah further and further and uh and you know it's baseball season there's all kinds of uh things changing for the spring and uh and then there's the 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 major things like syria and the the continuing battle of uh right versus left or right versus wrong depending on how you look at it but um we can just say right versus left this ideology is it's okay i know i wish ever yeah it should just be high fives you know (laughs) it's a lot of a lot of angry a lot of angry small government big government and then uh what else we have going on in the news this week What's been uh what's been piquing your interest that's uh headli- headlining as of late? Uh I guess we can like slide into callbacks. Oh, that's the uh, uh the that segment, is. the 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 original segment, for, <laughs> formerly the one and only segment <laughs> known as callbacks. Yeah, let's uh let's do that. What's the uh What's the callbacks agenda you've got right now? So the big hot button ticket is Neil Gorshik and his whole Senate confirmation hearing thing so there was a filibuster okay and i remember talking about last time where i wasn't sure if they should use the filibuster this time but they they put their foot down they put on the filibuster and and now it looks like they are on track to uh, confirm neil gorsuch with just a uh, majority vote instead of super majority vote which filibusters allowed you to do but that was always the threat if they filibustered they were going to do the nuclear option right. and get rid of it and it looks like they've done the nuclear option and, so and they've actually processed the removal of the filibuster option in the senate mm-hmm. I, i'm not sure if it's gotten all the way through as of this recording which is thursday night but the the election or sorry the vote is supposed to go through on friday night so i guess we might have to do another call back uh next week letting letting you know the whole story about what on with that what with on what went on with that and what the future implications of that change happening because there are two somewhat old justices so there is a possibility that those justices could pass away which would allow for more conservative um more conservative thoughts on the oh on, uh, on, on the, the supreme, supreme court. court right which would would sway the different types of law making decisions they make and the interpretations of the law they say they don't make laws they interpret laws but um overall it, it, it independent oh there you go fair. <laughs> according to that gorsuch is independent and he's fair that's from the uh the clip 
the clip ghost that occasionally plays. <laughs> uh, he's not. Uh, but um, but yeah, they um, it's it it he's gonna get. We 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 saw this long term, mm-hmm. and we all knew that he was eventually going to get the nomination just based on the fact that they were gonna remove and they have that option and yeah, and they can even replace it immediately after the appointment. So if they need it. Or no. they could replace it before a time they feel it's necessary for them. But but see here here's the thing. Here's my conspiracy theory uh is the moment. It, it they the Democrats played right into their trap, I believe. Because if you basically say like and I think their trap was laid when they denied um denied Neil uh Mayor Garland. And their trap was, we need to have this space for ourselves. And since there was no precedent that said that they had to hold it or had some obligation to do the hearing, they could just go, "Uh uh-uh, no. Right. So once that happened and they had a coin flip, they're like, is the Republican person going to win? If they don't win, well, crap, what are we going to do? Right. But I guess they didn't really need the Republican person to win for that one. Um, but I guess they did need a Republican person to win to put forth a Republican candidate. So, yes. So, through their struggle, they had uh, 45 actually won the presidency. And so then you you put in for this one, this first pick. And, and Neil Gorsuch is good on paper and he has good conservative value. So, he's not going to be a red herring. He's actually, I feel like, is going to be a good Supreme Court judge. But... But you have like a filibuster, and a filibuster is kind of like that, like redo in video games you get, or something. Right. That and they, one, and they don't even have to officially like talk for the the. They just appoint a, that they are they are issuing a filibuster, mm-hmm. and and that that's yeah. It's not as it's not as daunting as it used to be. Right. But the main thing is that because they knew they had this nuclear option, the Democrats should have known they would only be able to use it once. And I feel like this wasn't the candidate to use it on. But, but of course, the court of public opinion is going to be like, well, Democrats are supposed to show some resistance and persistence, and you got to do it with this one. So I can see their hands being tied in that sort of way. But I also feel that because we have uh, two really old uh, Supreme Court justices that could retire or could G- die. Ginsburg and who's the other one? Oh, oh I guess three because Ginsburg would be one who's really old too. Jesus, yeah, oh Lord. And Clarence Thomas is getting older. And who else? Right. Yeah. So the the longest short of it is basically if shit happens, there's no way you can't get past them rewriting the Supreme Court. Yeah. Right, like, so, well, the way to get rid of that is to actually go out to the polls uh, on November 4th, 2018, and also the polls this year, because there's going to be some local elections you probably have to worry about in your constituency, but next year, when it comes to the midterms, Democrats have to take over the midterms, so Democrats, and I feel like what needs to happen is Democrats need to take over the midterms, but um, I'm still following Democratic stuff to see if the more uh, progressive Democrats and the moderate Democrats can come to like a copacetic easy medium to work together in this next primary. Because if you don't, if you're still divided, then where are you going to get more fucking Trump? Right. Like, you don't want that shit. Right. So 
So, you know, like, remember, Sun Tzu said, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Alliance until the alliance is not needed anymore, okay? Y'all need to be pragmatic. If you not, fuck y'all. Anyway. Well. Uh, <laughs> that's rude. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. And, and before we go too deep into our callback segment, I'm thinking. Just 10 minutes for oh. the truth. <laughs> there's, there's, all, there's all kinds of... Uh, <laughs> Of uh, you got a website, you got them tracking on us, fam. No, no that was it, it. Was it was actually a reasonable video, but it was uh, it, it kept playing, and I didn't realize that it was going to continue. But it was it was it did like a slideshow uh, description of what this filibuster versus the nuclear option is, and essentially said that um, it's it's cloture would be the normal way, which you get a three fifths majority, which would be sixty, mm-hmm. and since they can't do that because the eight they'd have to get eight um senators from the democratic side uh that they're going to do the uh, option of removing the filibuster and so it's like it's just basically what we just went over but mm-hmm. it also talks about that some of the people are doing these long speeches still so uh it's happening but most of those are actually ways for them to exercise and voice their platforms because they'll they're given this option during the filibusters so yeah and that gets all recorded so i'm gonna have to go back and watch some of it on c-span yeah one of them i was interested in was jeff merkley which is the uh senator from um oregon and he actually came to my school when i was a public science or yeah public affairs and political science student so oh okay yeah he came in uh he gave a speech and uh i think at the time he was a um a state senator and yeah now he's a u.s senator oh hey there you go yeah but I just thought of something. Um, so after Friday, Senate will go into recess for two weeks. So if they can filibuster to the point where it goes into recess, then Neil Gorsuch doesn't get confirmed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. I wonder if that'll happen. <laughs> and if that's the case, then well fucking played, Democrats. Well fucking played. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh yeah, on my callback segment, I just want to mention that on the last episode I kept saying that it was episode fourteen. It was actually episode fifteen. Oh shit, so is this sixteen? This is episode sixteen. Oh shit. Yeah. So Oh shit, I'm about to get a car, y'all. I know, it feels like stop. Yeah. <laughs> some, I feel like Christopher Lloyd in the Back to the Future movies. <coughs> like we we we've gone forward suddenly in one week. Marty, Marty, <laughs> Marty, it's week sixteen, Marty. <laughs> Yeah, that's nice. Really Christopher Lloyd. But uh, so we're out of callbacks, so we can enter into a further discussion about Neil Gorsuch and that. But I think you have Syria on the mind, man. And uh, what's what is the uh, angle that you want to discuss? Because obviously the 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 Syria topic is is multifaceted. Like you can discuss the humanitarian crisis that's going mm-hmm. on there. You can discuss the multinational campaign that's going on versus different enemies yeah both uh internal revolutionary style people trying to remove the government and people that are isis and other affiliated uh terrorist groups and so yeah it's a it's a very complex situation and on top of that you have the geopolitical world unraveling of russia being a major player oh yeah and our current leader trump having this this uh, situation with Russia, whether it's um, headline news or there is some depth to it, you know, we will know in time. But like, there's definitely um, a need for America and Russia to have 
discussions because there's a lot on the table right now mm-hmm. with with Syria being a, a, a volatile uh, part of all of that and the humanitarian crisis is is one of the biggest things like if you watch any of the frontline videos that discuss Syria whether it's the people that are trying to leave or the people um, who are still there or if you watch like uh, that white helmets documentary on oh, yeah. Netflix uh, all of those things uh, will expose you to to the humanitarian crisis, and it's I it it, it you know it's shocking and it's it's overwhelming at times, but like it's one of those kind of stories that if you want to understand what's really going on, you have to actually expose yourself to it. So um, yeah, I need to expose myself. But to yeah, it a so bit but more. what so so with that in mind, so to know that we're not gonna try and correct anything that's going on there, and more just kind of elaborate on something that we've seen. What 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 piqued your interest? What was the headline that came out of the Syria conflict this week that you were that that brought it up that was relevant to you? Because you were saying that was oh yeah, because it's the 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 gas bombing crisis. I guess is the the most recent event, or or I mean, it's alleged at this point. I mean, we you know you hear both sides like the chemical attack and like well, yeah. I mean, we see the agent used, and we hear the hospitals, and the hospitals are getting bombed, and it's like you know we don't yeah we don't get it. We don't get all the information. We don't know who's throwing the chemicals. Yeah, that's that's what really because it was a chemical attack. Like that's not hearsay anymore. Okay. But who's it from? Uh, I haven't really gotten down to the brass tacks to see who it is. But um, there were there was definitely some critiques of uh, the president not being able to did not saying anything about this uh, chemical attack and. Uh, and why do you, and what kind of response that should be done and in that response people were saying well in a, I was when I was listening to some of the news outlets I listened to they're saying usually at this time this is when America would actually send an actual strike over there to say hey you don't actually use chemical warfare this is not how we play that game and uh, and usually, like if it was Obama, Obama would have Obama would have came out and said, "I am very sorry about what happened over in Syria with the use of chemical weapons. We understand this is an enemy we can't see." And he'd do a whole presidential speech about it. And then he would have been like, "All right, the president is meeting with the National Security Agency, meeting with the Pentagon to see what type of response they should actually do in this situation." And then you would have people going on, you know, Morning Joe and saying this is the plan that the president's going to have. And then they would probably execute in the plan in a way that actually focused on what they think was the people to attack with this missile in order to give the response. You will not fuck with us. Right. And, right. And President Trump didn't do any of that. <laughs> so except for he just shot missiles today. And I, well, I shouldn't say he didn't do any of that. And I should say he did like the Pentagon came to him like this is what you should do. And then he did something. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a difficult situation. And then his his lack of participation or, or not, basically clearly lack of understanding on the issue i mean obviously he's being briefed about it now every day so he's probably got some strained understanding of it but he's coming from it in my mind as someone who only looked at syria at any point as a place he could maybe build a hotel 15 years ago when it was still stable mm. you know when he was buying up land in dubai and these other places you know, Syria probably came across, and I think ever since then, since it wasn't really a business 
stable area, I think he's kind of ignored it as much as anyone wants to think that he's up on world politics. And so it's difficult for us to have our version of the reaction through, you know, his administration at this point, because I do feel like, an Ob I, don't, I don't know, the Obama administration is a mixed bag about their, their Middle East uh, foreign policy, for sure. You know what I mean? Like, they, mm -hmm. the, the drone strikes, like, they definitely, and then the lack of, of, of support in Syria, real support, you mm -hmm. know. Um, these training camps, we're basically training these people to, to feel amped up enough to go into the war and fight. And some of them are heroes and, and get a lot done and, and have, have, you know, made strides, but like a lot of them, you know, aren't seasoned warriors, you know, and they're going no, out sure. there against, you know, some of these ISIS fighters have been training behind their enemy lines for the last year and a half, two years without any real, you know, substantive, enemy until the air bombing campaign from russia which wasn't you know is less than a year old i feel like mm, you know? yeah so um it's you know we it <laughs> and it's easy for us to have you know they we everyone wants to talk about left versus right in u.s politics and like our bubbles and our echo chambers but our reality of our echo chamber is the idea that isolationism was never a real policy and we can never go back to it and the idea of us having this protection of these seas and these quote-unquote borders is irrelevant to the real world um mm -hmm. and that was made true once uh, international flights were a thing once you had international airplanes flying between every destination it eliminated all of that and so in that world we have to expose ourselves to these different dominant problems and a lot of people recognize us in our response and what we do i mean that that gets talked about years and decades later that's the impression of america yeah like what it what's it because well it's interesting because isis went on record to say that america is being run by an idiot and you're like Oh, we gotta agree with ISIS. That's fucked up. But <laughs> and yeah, well, yeah, it was a divisive statement because they all, yeah, ISIS to some degree knew that there's a, a growing group of people that are upset with the president. Mm -hmm. And then like what what annoys me now is because of this mixed message where they're just like, well, you know, Syria's where uh, where ISIS is, and they might try to sneak someone over in this. This is why we need extreme vetting. Blah 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 right it sounds it, it sounds like yeah you need that stuff it well it sounds like paranoia yeah. three months ago does not sound like paranoia now and that i found that very annoying because when it, it's like look somebody sent out chemical weapons but our response is going to be let's send rockets over to the place where we won't let their people in because we're afraid they're gonna take their terrorists over right it's like yeah. america what <laughs> so yeah well the difficulty with us is um you know we don't fight wars on the same plane as uh, as most most campaigns mm -hmm. unless we get in like these heavy um um firefights that that occur you know sporadically during different parts of these campaigns um we our casualty rate is so much smaller than our enemy every time and so because of that the idea of going into these urban war zones where basically yeah. 50 percent could die just based on the fact that everyone's popping caps off and you've got to basically clear the whole place out of the bad people to let anyone else back in like that's the, the it, it's a it's it's eradication 
um and because of all that um we we would never send the only thing that would ever be operational in that situation which is a human uh there and so all we're doing is these technology briefings and these trainings and all these things and they and they and they do help and we hand them guns and ammunition to some degree mm-hmm but we limit it because we're afraid of where it goes. So it's, 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 it's a, you know, and that's been happening for, for generations, you know, I mean, we've been doing that in, in all over the world. So no, yeah. We, we learned our lesson from Vietnam. Yeah. And, but I feel like it's one of those things where if you're actually, because it, 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 this is the problem where like, uh, it, it worries you the most about president, our president being our president, because he lacks nuance and something like this militarily needs nuance it needs uh, all right how do we get information and you don't you this is the type of thing where you want precision strikes you want to say all right what is the problem of being rooted in i believe like aleppo aleppo was like fallen right so if you were to go back and liber- liberate aleppo what would you do and like right now i feel like the president would just be like i'm gonna throw some missiles at it and be like did i hit it and uh, yeah i mean well i mean i guess that's better than gary johnson <laughs> what is aleppo like he's gonna be like i know what aleppo is right in syria it's super huge mm-hmm. there's a bunch of people <laughs> but i would imagine like you know if that's an isis stronghold now you would have to go in and like wonder how their structure is and then be able to send in precision units that said all right this is going to be op one we're going to take this over we're going to understand what their supply chains are like. So you break their supply chain. So you have to, you know, you weed them out that way. And then when they're like, we need to make a rush for supplies, you know where they will go. You had them off at the pass. And you get someone and like on your side who can tell you their inner workings of what's going on. So then you can have a, um, a full-fledged uh, strike and infiltrate. And then, you know, end the war before the war starts. All right. And right. But you're not going to get that from this presidency whatsoever. Yeah. And that's that's a little unnerving. According to uh, The Independent out of uh, the UK, uh, which does a page on Aleppo as a kind of just like a, 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 all the briefings that they have in their collective news source. And the headline that you can click on, I can find more information from it, is Russia sends 12 more planes to Syria despite announcing withdrawal. Uh, and it reportedly the they're the Su twenty five fighter planes. So there, but they did that does mention that they are announcing a withdrawal. So there's been talks that Russia is going to actually pull out of Syria. Apparently, that's something I hadn't heard. So um, I hope so. I hope that's a statement that's true. I mean, that would basically mean that maybe the majority of the the oh my god. Well, I mean, if you see footage of Aleppo, it's just total destruction. So essentially, what that's beginning to say is the body count has gotten to total destruction essentially mm-hmm. um that there's no need for the foreign you know which basically means assad wins oh, that's crazy yeah so, that's what it is assad not not so isis now it's assad yeah yeah well isis is gone yeah so i mean for the most part i mean they they have small i mean it's there's a bigger fight for isis in mosul right now Oh, that's right. That's in Iraq. Right. Oh, uh, shit, yeah. And they're jumping on... And they just did missiles there, too, I think. Yeah. Well, uh, and that's its own, you know... Um, not to digress. Well, it's not even really a digression. I mean, it's both... It's it's for... I mean, obviously, like, 
no offense to those nations and their independent cultures and they're definitely independent in that nature and they have long histories and and hope that their futures are more peaceful and that they get the opportunity to put together and structure functional government again and can can live peacefully um but to some degree the problems in iraq and the problems in syria are very mirrored um Mm. because they are all part of that caliphate isis ambition um there is some unity in that even though it's becoming more and more sporadic as we disintegrate their leadership and their strongholds uh the, the 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 nature of what they do is very similar the i mean the suicide bombings and all that and, yeah and and then you know and the war campaign against them is is aerial so yeah it's this, it's very similar and apparently uh isis has been getting a hold of uh of different types of drones and rigging them with uh with um grenades oh shit okay. so that when they when they trigger the the claw to drop from the from the uh the mm. drone it pulls the pin and drops the grenade um that's innovative but yeah. it's very destructive because they're able to you know do it from several hundred feet above different places and, and they don't care about civilian uh casualties do they yeah okay yeah so it's uh yeah and and it's scary i mean when you when you look into it um and like he's like i don't know what assad's gonna do and i don't know what that means overall for the region i don't even want to really i i don't like projecting about american politics so sometimes i feel rude doing any type of projection when it comes to middle east and kind of near east or what whatever designation you want to give politics um but i'm curious when assad does because kind of the writing on the table right now is that assad and this coalition is going to go through the whole country Mm -hmm. um clearly assad is not afraid of political prisoners so a lot of these refugee people that we've been supporting from the u.s side if we want to use the term we um Mm -hmm. are going to be arrested and you know there's going to be kangaroo court style you know run them through straight into uh long-term sentences and stuff and those people will disappear and that way they can set up the government they want and go back to quote unquote the way things were you know and Mm. um as much as obama was against assad trump is but also doesn't have a history of being so he can Mm. play it off as well since he's there we got to play with who's there that's the rules you know Mm -hmm. and and so he'll have to make nice and it will it'll be it'll be like this dance that'll have to occur where Mm. where trump has to to represent what obama whatever obama wasn't in the middle east in order to gain assad's favor and obviously russia is going to be a player when that when that day comes yeah and there's some like the staunch populace uh when i was listening to indivisible radio there's this one guy on there that was like yeah no i really like putin and i really like that we're going to be strong like russia and i feel like globalization is going to make us lose our identity and i'm like okay yeah whatever floats your boat dude yeah i mean <laughs> yeah i mean but. there's there i mean we have to you have to start recognizing that they're it's close you know six something billion people in the world at this point yeah exactly and and we're we're on a, pa- a path and a pace towards eight billion um within the next 20 years and so by that time uh there's eight billion different independent ideologies 
going on and whatever ideology of mass they coalesce into is going to be you know their doctrine and you're going to get a lot of quote unquote to not use stupid old adages but you're going to get a lot of bad apples mm-hmm. you know and 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 when those type of people I mean some of them have means you know and some of them have abilities and are able to get through societies but hold these internal doctrines that are very violent and very uh inherent with um this anarchist mixed with total control mixed with religious zealism Mm -hmm. you know and that's not always apparent to most people everyone tends to lean on the religion side and that's mostly because when we see these videos they say the allah akbar thing Mm -hmm. and it's like and but it's it's out it's more than the religion It, it, it is it's a lifestyle for them when they're yeah. fighting. It, it's a well. I, I should say it, it's a what is it? Oh gosh, I can't. Well, let me see if I can explain it another way. It, it it's not like when someone who practices Islam here, and then they're going through the doctrines the same way Christians would practice their doctrines, and not like go the first, second, or third crusade on someone. Right. The the extremism is right. That. Yeah. It's a what they're doing is a perversion of. A, what the doctrine is saying right and whenever like there was that one time where ben affleck had the tirade against sam harris on uh, uh overtime on bill maher show real time with bill maher yeah and of course what sam harris is always trying to point out is that nuance is that like these islamic extremists are the ones that have perverted the teachings of the quran in order to give themselves divine meaning in their goals of of trying to like bring the world to a law. Yeah. Right. So, and it's that perversion of things that is getting perverted by us. When we say like Islam is bad and everything, we don't understand the subtlety of that perversion and would have been out like that. Well, and I don't, and yeah. And we're not saying when, when that is said, yeah. Cause you and yeah. I aren't saying that, but yeah, exactly. But yeah. What I mean is the Royal we like, right. Like the people when that's being said, when that's out there and, and, and the impression is being given that that's the natural causes that Americans are against Islam and we're fighting this war or that's what this ambition of terrorism is built into their religion kind of, uh, note that you'll hear sometimes uh, but yeah no I mean outside of all that what I was basically saying was that uh, the, the situation outside of the ideology like life that's going to be built there is going to matter I mean there's mad oil still so there's still more money to be made and there so the industry is coming back it will happen and when that happens, like, what is the life of those people in Syria going to be? Because the cost was so high. Mm-hmm. You know, the cost was so high. And, and we see civil wars like this, they happen. And, but this one was, was extreme. And, um, yeah, the number of casualties, you know, whether they're the enemy combatants or civilians or a mixture you know maybe they're dissuaded youth and people who who joined a cause because the people around them were maybe there were people yeah. that were fearful for their life who who basically played it off and ended up in the ranks i mean i don't want to like give credit to any of the people that are on the whatever opposing side but i'm just saying 
we don't know the situation on the ground when this war broke out, when the Civil War happened. You know, we only, we only know what we read in newspapers, that people who are asking other people to ask other people to go through, and, they're, and maybe they're on the ground there for a certain period of time, but no one knows all of these points that flashed this war. Uh, specifically other than the people that are involved and watched it happen as it happens. So, like, it's 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 not something we can ever digress. Now we just have to live with the results of it. Like, And that that's the biggest problem for people is because everyone wants to point a finger and find a cause, you know. And the cause is, you know, and, like, a, and we even knew, like, the nuance of calling it the Arab Spring. You oh, know? yeah. Tying these individual cultural revolutions of... of, of multiple disciplines with that nuance kind of really it kills what actually happened you know you really should talk about it as the tunisian uprising and civil war the egyptian uprising and civil war and coup and later revolt and second almost coup controlled government current syria's continued civil war dissolution into an abyss where isis took over like everything uh, is nuanced within that culture and country and even though like I was saying earlier there's a connection to the ISIS uh, each place Iraq Syria Afghanistan has their own identity you know and and I think it kind of it, it's something that reminds me to our policies back in the Vietnam War with like mm -hmm. how we looked at Southeast Asia we just called it Southeast Asia you know what I mean? As if like Laos and Cambodia and Thailand and India even probably to our minds at that point, like are all the same. You know what I mean? And it's like that's not that's 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 and we bombed kind of interdisciplinarily around all of it and just kind of like just bombed everything, bombed civilians, military, commercial, you know, rural farming, agriculture. Like we bombed everything and uh and didn't really pay attention to borders necessarily well we're america when have we not taken any other part of the world and collectively gestalt it to what we think is the prevailing image of that culture as a whole like that's that's a that's america i know but what i'm saying is in 2017 is you look forward to people trying to explain and digress these super complex di deep issues one of the ways to look at it is uh, to not wash them through into these neat little packages like, say, the Arab Spring, you know. Now, if you want to use that as a cornerstone to, to start a more in-depth conversation, mm -hmm. you know, similar to, like, setting off a conversation about, you know, 9-11, for instance. If you mm -hmm. say that hot, now you've opened a pandora's box as it were but maybe a series of doors of conversation that you can open that are all headlined by that so mm -hmm. i guess if you say arab spring and then you follow it by a, a headline about what's happening in tunisia and then go in depth it's fair but the just the kind of packaging of it it felt like it was marketing this this just like revolution that was happening in this one part of the world and it was all kind of like the same thing and it wasn't so yeah and that's the beginning of what we have now you know yeah that's an, that's american reporting right there there are like if it's just like a buzzworthy news thing you're gonna get stuff like that but it takes a lot of people time to actually go through and learn about the brass tacks of everything that those uh, situations have to deal with and that takes probably a lot of time that people don't have or care to have when it yeah. comes to situations like that so yeah 
So when it comes to certain nuances that we should be looking at the world in, we aren't quite equipped to do so because our society isn't built around doing that. I know. Yeah. Well, and that's that's it's the problem. But at the same time, you know, you just got to point it out. And, and you can't expect it. Like I said, like I, I, I get there's so many people who are turned off, though, and mm-hmm. and, and you're never going to change them. They literally will look at you and say, I hate politics or I hate talking about things like this or I can't look into this. Or, oh, serious. So it's depressing. I like cat videos. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I get that. But it's like it's becoming such a, that's the other part of that eight billion. When you start looking at the pies and I don't mean to dissect like judge people, but I'm saying when you start dissecting in a way though the 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 pie chart of people there's so many people who are turned off as well as these people who are terrible and bad so you start looking at this percentage you know what i mean like 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 there's like two billion people who are assholes and like you look at the numbers around you like there's like one fourth around you right like that are total assholes so it's like yeah there's literally like there's two billion people in this world that are assholes and like everyone else is just chilling so you know and shout out to you if you're an asshole who knows fuck maybe we both are we don't know every group has one everyone yeah you gotta be (laughs) but yeah no it's uh it's 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 an interesting culture when we have these in-depth issues and i mean i guess you have to just take in what you want to take in but you know it's uh the world is happening around us if we're paying attention or not that is very true yeah, so I, I for some reason, lean on the uh, the idea of paying attention. And I think we should pay attention. Yeah. And I do, uh, and definitely going back to the globalization thing, I definitely don't like the idea that, like, uh, our president's main constituency are people who are, like, anti what's going on over there and also pro-keeping to themselves. Because I think in the end, that's going to be like a dangerous thing that's going to implode on itself that we won't be prepared for. Right. Yeah, I can see that happening. Well, um, I do say that, um, I mean, technically we have Bill Watch yeah. segment. So what do we have going on in that world, Sir Chad? So it looks like that uh, while the Republicans in the Congress are kind of just like, we want to get our things through, man. We've got to get this. we got to get it done. we got to get it done fast, right? Uh, the Democrats, some of the more social Democratic Democrats, uh, put forth the bill. The shortened name that people are calling it is the College for All Act. Um, but it is the full title is HR one eight eight zero to amend the Higher Education Act to ensure college for all, and uh, this is one where Washington's own Pramila Jama. I I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not gonna try to fuck up her name, but y- you know, uh, I already did try to fuck up her name. So anyway, uh, she put it forth, and it's something being backed by Bernie Sanders as well too. It has uh, 19 other co-sponsors to it, and hopefully, I feel like that is something that you can definitely sell other like Republicans on. You can just say, "Hey, look at this. We understand because th- this is kind of to go back to just not really Syria, but with the." what uh our president's constituents think about syria and more of like the the sovereignty that we need to have for ourselves right and and one of the things is because i feel like they don't understand like what our role is in the global economy and and i feel like because our role in the global economy used to be manufacturing for a lot of things but then after a while because capitalism runs our global economy 
um at this point we took all that manufacturing overseas and of course that started to die off yeah and of course in the places where uh when super red there's a lot of places that had towns that were built on these manufacturing plants that would create jobs for everybody and when they were gone you know the american dream went away and so now they're trying to get that back because they feel like that's their one and only path to the american dream Right, and I feel like what we need to understand is where all the money that America is creating is in intellectual property, and a great way to understand the idea of intellectual property and through the things like TV, YouTube applications, there are easy ways to take intellectual property and take it globally and make money from it. So what you can tell them is like we're trying to give college education for all. Yes, college is where you understand how the global world works, where they're going to develop skills and abilities that allow them to market themselves uh, using the ability to develop or be a part of intellectual property being made in America, sold to the world. Right. So, and I wonder, well, if we get into the brass tacks for this bill, uh, it wouldn't probably take place for a few years. I do feel like 2018, 2019, 125000 for a family that's a little low if you have two working parents because the argument would be made those two parents might exist but college is still almost unaffordable these days so no so i would make the argument there that uh, i mean based on census data the median income for a family is approximately fifty three thousand dollars so if there's two parents making fifty three thousand dollars that would be a hundred and six thousand dollars and it would still be under a hundred and twenty five thousand dollars a year but that would that would include i mean that you'd have to look into all the specifics of that sample because part of it would be there's people who stay home and aren't technically in the workforce and would be included in the family number that's added to the 125 and so like it it, it might be a low number a little bit there's going to be a lot of families that are going to border that just in i'm just saying in 2017 going on into 18 19 dollars i think inflation if you live in a pl- is. if you i think if you live in a place like seattle then yes but in places like kentucky or montana or nebraska or georgia or alabama not so much you know, i believe their cost of living is low enough where you you can live a pretty good life on seventy five thousand dollars a year and and yeah and i feel like because that's i pulled that number because i've heard it in census data before when i've watched different things about people talking about the economy and who considers themselves middle class and all that the first google response is the average household income in the u.s was seventy three thousand two hundred ninety eight in 2014 so it's been three years. So like that's kind of what I'm saying. Like and then that's, that's the, the average. Look at the median. That's what it's it's the uh oh, the median. Oh, it's the median. Okay. Yeah. Uh, median income is. Oh, so the median. So why 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 would you take? Oh, because I. Oh, because you don't want the average. Because all the people who are who make a lot of money is considered in the average. So it skews the numbers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would the the that the breakdown there. I would I would I would look at because the. I would check those numbers. Like I, I know those those are just gonna be uh, a census. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> I it, it's uh, what I was just gonna say. I don't know. I mean, hundred twenty five. It sounds like a lot of money. I understand, but it really. <laughs> yeah, like if you take like if you that get assets uh, and debt and like yeah, yeah. Huh? 
Yeah, yeah but but no, this one is it, it's a, a family that makes under one hundred and twenty-five thousand yeah. dollars a year. And so, according to your census data, it's a large percentage of uh, the population, which is okay. That's then that's a that's a quality bill. It's <laughs> <laughs> a quality bill. And I mean, I, I I would only see that it would get all the co-sponsors, like you said, if it is a quality bill. But at the same time, they they might, if they felt like it was something where it was like the best they were going to get, yeah. they might have co-sponsored it. But. I mean, there's not a lot of documentation on it yet, so we might have to do a callback on it once they get into, like, once they get the CBO score. The CBO score will be important for that because... Uh, It'll, of course, if that comes out and someone tries to talk about it on the floor, you're going to hear the Republican go, oh, not another entitlement. You can't be having these entitlements. Paul Ryan, Paul Ryan's going to shit his pants. He's going to be like, like, so you want us to spend more money on people? You just want to give it to them? You don't want people to have to work for it? Like, it's, oh my god, they're gonna destroy it for being an entitlement. But it it is, it is a grand gesture and the fact that I think it does need to be put out there because this grand gesture for this year's Congress will show, alright, this is what the Republicans are going to do to people who need to learn in this space where intellectual property means more than physical goods. So then hopefully you'll see other people, especially millennials who are coming from this spot and saying, like, I use my phone. How cool would it be to make apps on my phone? And if they go, no, I need you to actually make this parts for these engines or I need you to work with your hands. You're going to start having more of these contentious divides that's going to look at this and maybe not in the Congress of 2000. Uh, this was 2017, 2000, like to the beginning of 2018. The one that goes from probably 2019 to 2020 is where something like this would be definitely pushed through if people feel like they wanted it, but they couldn't do it because the Republican was in opposition. Now, uh, unfortunately, they're never going to do it, but wouldn't it be great if they then made a retroactive part of this bill for everybody that would have qualified who have loans currently? Oh yeah, that could be. This could be a route later as a way for debt relief, if there is ever such a a you know happy person that can do that. Right. Well, I think in two. Well, see, I, I would say start looking for stuff like this in two years, and I'm only saying that making the assumption that the Democrats will take back the Senate and they will take it back hard. <laughs> so, it <laughs> you know, in the in my uh, little research, and this is uh, quoted off of uh, NPR Money segment, uh, one in five households, or 19.9% of the population, make more than $100,000 a year, which would mean that this bill would affect um, 80%, 80% of the population, yeah. which is a solid bill. So that means that it is making education virtually free to everybody who at the time couldn't afford it. And, you know, there's going to be some bubble people who have their own personal financial difficulties, but yet on paper make a lot and their kids are going to suffer for not being able to do that. But other than that, you know, that's cool. And, and uh, oh, and it should help create a better, um, less debt straddled um, generation to follow. Cause yeah, exactly. right now we've had generation after generation since probably the late eighties when the kind of cost of college really started skyrocketing. Right. If you want to talk about a boost to the economy, that'll be a boost in the economy in like 10 years. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and definitely, and, and definitely it goes in line with, uh, when we need to start automating more things, we'll have more people who know how to market Go on to college lo- longer. 
Yeah. Because now they can take maybe a shorter loan and do a year and a half loan on a grad school, you know, and maybe go to a reasonable grad school, you know, and mm-hmm. maybe, you know, maybe some online schools by that time will be more advanced, you know, maybe the technology. I mean, if VR gets to the point where mm-hmm. I, I could VR to classroom, I would VR to the classroom. And I think that'll happen sooner than you right. think. Right. Uh, and that's cheaper than building giant institutions. Exactly. Yeah. And there's also there's also the thing too where I think a lot of people who are like, who's going to pay for it and it's going to be a lot of money? Well, it, it definitely if you look at it, it says that to make sure that children and families under twenty hundred hundred twenty five thousand a year can go to a public college college for right. free and that's key right and because those are the institutions that the government themselves can write off later exactly so it's already in their pocketbook so you can't really argue against the idea that it limits it to public versus private and and, and that's just that's just reality and a lot of people go to public universities yeah and i think that's a fair i think that that's i went to a public university so mm-hmm. as someone who you know went and has an education i think that's a fair designation just because like we were talking before about healthcare, mm-hmm. there's a gold and a platinum option option there there's always multiple options every state has multiple state colleges yes Uh, there's no state in the union without a state college exactly and also the thing too they could they probably to save money would make it a stipulation where you had to go to school in a uh, in a public college that was in your state because Mm, i doubt they'll i doubt they'll do that well, they'll, they'll they'll allow the states to dictate their own um, education boundaries because university districts can be regional. And that way, like for a while, uh, Oregon and Washington shared a border Okay. Um, somewhere in the last few years when the, the, the cost became kind of too different. They weren't able, I don't think they honor it the same way. I think it's mm. back to being a six month residency program. But before, uh, just by being a student in either state, you could go to the others uh, public schools without you know, paying residency fees or oh, okay. out of out of residency fee but um they still do that with certain states and so i think i think that designation will will continue that you can continue to get your residency as as dictated by the state um that, that would just be my mind in the idea of how precedent and law you know in interpretation of these type of things but yeah, that's cool. Um, I hope I hope that gives a lot of people who may not have otherwise had opportunity to go to school to get a chance to to learn and and hopefully as these schools um, curriculum kind of develops and and, and and leans better to to provide people for the new world. You know, I do think there was a generation of people that went to college and the, a lot of the curriculum was really just based to get you out of there. Mm, you know yeah. and it didn't really solve a lot of real world issues and 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 create you know real problem solvers you know and i think you know unless you found the certain things you know people who like maybe are journalist students you know and learned how to do that and then left school and were able to take their own skills and become like you know investigative journalists and stuff but you know some some other um some other aspects of college the last like decade and a half have been um just basically pushing populations through mm-hmm. and that's been the other kind of side of it with the job crisis i mean even though we have all these debted students that would mean yeah. we should have a trained educated population which quote unquote we do but they're not trained in the fields or the necessities that they have to get jobs and so it's a strange system when when it's built that way and i think um as curriculum is being developed now like people are starting to figure out they have to implement the real world into the classroom 
oh, yeah, of every course. day for every lesson. You know, because I'm not saying take away anything. I mean, I do think basically all the same classes are there. I mean, obviously, math doesn't change. Music class doesn't change. No, know? not at all. But but the dynamic of what it means to be a student and a citizen and, you know, providing for the, the culture of the society around you, you know, mm-hmm. and that... Um, yeah, and I think that's an awareness you get in college. I think there is a social, oh, yeah. the socializing experiment of college, you know, and at different ages, too, because I've gone to college, you know, older and gone to college, you know, straight out of high school. And so, like, I've experienced both. Um, you know, it, it can it can be a rewarding experience, you know, that helps you kind of shape your focus because other people around you are learning things at the same time. And so since that's happening, you can kind of gauge what people are learning and how they learn and kind of you can yield some of their results in your own by you know asking them questions and and working on that and like when you learn stuff on your own outside of those type of socialized learning environments yeah you don't get that advantage you know you just just get you or like maybe the other person at your work you know but you don't really get 30 people in a room who are all um on the same path for a three-month period you know yeah there is definitely a criticism that uh the right has that i agree with to a certain degree is the lack of intellectual diversity coming to college campuses and talks and when they make a mockery out of like safe spaces and stuff right and because you know you go to college and you meet people from all over so there's going to be this diversity of ideas that if you listen to them and you talk to them even if it's just you know you go to a state school and you just get people from different regions in your state you might have not been there before so they can tell you aspects of that and how they grew up and what they think about the world and uh, and then it seems like people are getting a little bit more clicky at colleges and not having those discussions and getting to know new ways of thought and new ways of being and just kind of expanding and like having enough paradigm shifts where your worldview expands so much that you don't see your little pocket of the world as just your little pocket of the world anymore. You understand how expansive and uh, how interconnected that it all is. Yeah, that's yeah. No, it's it's yeah. It's a big it's a big world out there. Mm-hmm. And then and that's the interesting thing because then you can even you know uh, then you start experimenting with looking you know outside our planet <laughs> universally right? space so it's yeah. like the the infinite of of everything is is ridiculous you know it's like you could look at the and and i'm also because my my pol- political kind of edge when i was in school was about community and learning how to build um kind of the smaller and smaller group of people so like your neighbors you know because i mean living in an apartment complex or living in a duplex or what not uh in the modern era you often don't know any of your neighbors that's very true you know and that can be very problematic in life and the different uh moments that can occur with losing your phone or being locked out or um needing a ride or getting a tow or whatever you know whatever's happening mm-hmm. where you can't announce it you know and it's not just about knocking on their door and getting the phone number like you know actually knowing who your neighbors are you know and communicating with them and learning if they are different instead of just ignoring them learning ways that you can communicate with someone who's different you know and that's kind of um it's something that's a lost art in america because we were a true melding pot and and in some urban politics they they focused on the idea of the porch and how Mm -hmm. that's kind of gone away it's gone it's gone to yielded to the backyard and the idea that people want to segment their own private enjoyment area as opposed to having a communal um, zone. 
and and the porch represented more of a connection to the neighborhood itself because it's in the front. Yeah, no, I can understand yeah, that. Yeah, and the idea of like, you know, and like it got and maybe it got parodied too much with the old man on the porch and it became get off this, my lawn, get off my lawn, and the, <laughs> and the crotchety one. But then like, what about all the sweet ones? Like you know, and the nice people who aren't old who are just enjoying their front porch you know and mm-hmm. are, you know and so i it, it, and but you just look at architecture in general it changed and it stopped actually building i mean clearly the market was requesting a different style but and and the idea of the electric uh garage door is the other part of it that people can just kind of zombie their way into their own domicile without ever interacting with anybody mm-hmm. they drive in in their vehicle they hit the button the thing goes up they're inside the thing they close it they never see anybody yeah we have that here yeah we have that you have that everywhere i mean that's that's you know. I, I mean like in the house that i live in right what <laughs> i'm saying but i'm saying but because of that to some degree um you know people are able to limit their interactions with their neighbors and so it it limits community involvement which 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 kind of stifles this whole process we've been talking about as a podcast for the last now we know 16 weeks <laughs> no for sure uh and so yeah it's 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 dynamic and so i like looking at it as each time we can apply a measure to solve a problem on a local edge like you create a a community night where where monthly the community has the opportunity to meet somewhere that can hold a reasonable number of members of a community circle a you know just circle a smaller zone or area if you want to have less people but figure out somewhere you can go that that group whether it's even just five houses or you know your 50 neighbors you know whatever find a spot and then meet and then once that meeting gets going you can start talking about yielding certain people may have different uh property lines and stuff and there's things that people can yield to the community there can be an area of someone's yard that is like well that's technically my yard but i don't keep it up because that bush has been there forever yada yada and that bush might be able to be removed and then maybe a community board can be put up that does happen i mean it happens but it happens on a very small scale and it happens um through basically long-term neighbors and and what i'm saying is if it was a more common practice for people who maybe at sometimes are shorter term ownership neighbors um you you would see kind of that building because a lot of these neighborhoods have been built in the last 10 years man i mean people are living in new houses and so i you mean know, you don't, you're not getting like wallingford neighborhoods in every nook and cranny neighborhood in america you're getting that in wallingford yeah and you're seeing the the micro libraries and the and the bench and the and the adobe like covered sitting area and stuff but 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 i'm saying like in america as a whole you don't see that you know you don't see and but i'm saying that's one piece like also talking about all the way up to the global that i wasn't even trying to go into that that that's like the specific like that needs to happen on the on the whole what i'm saying is it's interesting that you can focus in on solving a problem as small as getting five neighbors together on a monthly night and maybe it's a barbecue even and you guys are just there to talk about what's been going on has there been any yada yada what can anyone do da 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 and even if it's a 30 minute conversation that could solve a problem all the way up to focusing on these bigger global issues where just putting a little bit of light and energy and thinking about the issue you can you can start to 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 find solution or see understanding cuz at this point you know mo- for most americans the, the the problems in those areas are completely out of your hands but but it's more of a study of 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 
of thought and being like compelled to know what's going on i guess but whereas the uh the the five neighbors thing is more of a you know you can do that tomorrow thing that's i guess the good part about those type of problems Hmm. but but i'm just saying like like there's 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 reason to you know do to focus on everything on all on all levels you know and and it's you know it's rarely done a lot of people just watch the news you know and call that like the most woke moment of the day (laughs) okay well what i was gonna say is that uh and then a lot of times in the world that people think they have to be independent, like we at least in, we have this idea in American other Western cultures that our own dependence that we can't have interdependence, and then that's what a lot of I feel like a lot of good cultures do, and I do feel there actually is a lot of uh, groups of interdependent cultures, especially the more impoverished you get. The more you start talking to the people and saying, well, I have this skill that I can trade with you. We ain't got a lot of money, so we can go to like a, a bartering, bartering system more than a money system. So I do feel like there are people out there at every level doing the level of interdependence. I just don't think it's ubiquitous enough for everyone to actually come together and do it. And that's just a question of how do you make that ubiquitous? Right. That's 100% what I'm saying. I'm yeah. saying how do you make that happen? I'm not... I'm not chastising the world for not being the way I want it to be, nor am I also saying that there's not any of that happening. What I'm saying is it's not happening globally or nationally on a level that is making the type of difference that could actually alleviate a lot of this political discourse and hatred amongst groups of different people. Because if we apply the idea that our neighbors are important to us we on a whole as a country, we would start to see that the differences and subtleties of 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 people is is a benefit and that um it'll help uh our world as a whole you know to be more understanding and accepting or knowledgeable knowing so do you think we're ready for a world government yet no i don't think i i i I don't think so at any point. I mean, I think the UN is kind of the closest thing that you could see that is ever going to be, you know, the strength of the UN could increase or its prevalence. Um, it, it could increase uh, and its numbers could dwindle as certain states may choose to regionalize um, in certain areas and parts of the world. But I don't see it being like a thing where... Um, uh yeah where it's one controlling interest uh in in my mind in any good way at least you know if that ever was to occur that would be um through some authoritarian uh rule and movement um which is not you know unfeasible um obviously similar to what you know hitler was attempting to do you know so uh you know clearly he wanted the third reich to rule the world so yeah, I, I mean, that's I, a one I don't want to pigeonhole it into thinking that it has to be an authoritative figure. I though. don't think it has to be either, but I'm saying for it to be implemented, it would have to be authoritarian is what I'm saying. I don't mm-hmm. think See, I, I think that's mm, pigeonholing it too much. I think mm-hmm. there is some level of cooperation that can happen when people learn to cooperate instead of compete. That's what I'm saying. Cooperation. I'm so that's the U.N. That's what I'm saying. So I'm saying the gov- but so your your division your idea of one government is like different than mine because what I'm saying mm. is you'd have a collective international like the UN but fewer players would be involved is my key and so to some degree because you would have maybe a council 
you see what i'm saying essentially that would rule you're never gonna because because if you make it like what so what government what the social democracy like what <laughs> what takes no, over the world don't, don't, don't treat it with incredulity when i was saying not feasible it's what i'm saying is it it never would get divided the pie wouldn't get divided in 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 that way where where you would have one controlling interest it's just not feasible in the sense of the the size of our planet unless you could teleport or fly places within an hour you can't watch everything so you you legitimately have regional con counterparts that are controlling therefore those are regional governments and i just don't think one ideology can overtake the whole world i just don't see that happening i think like when you take the nuance between a social democracy a democracy a socialist state and a and, a, and an independent state or whatever it, each one is different and it's very different for very different reasons for sure but i feel like we can break it down like i, I again i feel like we need to break it down to like its lowest common denominator and ask well, what do all human beings need and then what would be the most effective principle to follow in order to give all of those human beings what they need and it could be like a worldwide government could be like a federation where there's still a lot of independent nation states but they share a worldwide economy or something or it could just be a republic where the world is governed by a similar amount of laws but they could have their own individual economies that interact with each other right so there's different and like a world government doesn't always have to be like one rule of law one way uh, yeah, it sounds very Hunger Games some t to some degree. You know what I mean? Like, well, the the Hunger Games like was, so like each continent is a district. You know, like yeah, that that mm. was well, yeah, but it, but the problem with that was that th that's the difference between totalitarian uh, rule and interdependent rule. If it was interdependent rule, it would be like Star Trek. I'm just if saying, it's totalitarian rule. It's uh, you're saying it, and you're saying it with 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 this, the idea that it can completely happen. So you believe it, but I'm saying, <laughs> but design your interdisciplinary and divide the world up in what in interdisciplines, and you will find yourself the most troublesome problem you've ever experienced because it's going to be hard to really address the differences in people, and that's a and that's a key thing in our world. And I feel you address the differences in people by saying this is what we like you. You always deal with the differences of people by starting with commonalities. And and if you don't start from commonalities, then you aren't trying to collectively say we're all human. But to some degree, what is the commonality if their commonality is, I don't want to deal with you coming here and asking me what my commonality is. You see what I'm saying? So well, like, then fuck them. Like, but yeah, it's yeah. There's gonna be a bunch of states in the fuck them column. Is basically what I'm saying. Cause mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, cause there's not gonna be, um, uh, you know, there's not gonna be a bunch of people that are gonna want to participate. I, it, I mean, yeah, theoretically could it happen? But yeah, I, I personally don't see that happening without some type of authoritarian system coming into play. I do think a lot of it could be consolidated. But look at the breakdown in Europe. Like, I just don't see how how you're gonna get that many people together for that idea i think we need a generation or two before it actually happens because you definitely have we definitely have a shift in the way like our world is going to work as a fundamental whole and you do have a lot of people who are stragglers to the old ways because when you think of how different the world is from 19 like 1977 to 2017 
and you have somebody who was born in 1977 or you have someone who was born in like 1957 and they had all this stuff happening and they look at 2017 and they're just like this shit is too new yeah like but when you have people who are born in 2017 and it's them in 2000 like was it 2037 where they're allowed to vote and stuff like they've grown up with so many new technologies like like if you just take video games i grew up with a nintendo and kids who are 10 years older than me grew up with the n64 10 years older than that grew up with an xbox right right 10 years older than that they're going to grow up with vr and so there's yeah. been so many different changes that i don't think it like with, with the way we are now Can is we're having the final ideological battle between the old way versus the new way and that's why there's so much conflict Gotcha. But and it, it is a conflict of ideas. But I believe that like just how easily ideas can spread and different ideas can spread because so many people can intersect in ideas on the internet. Mm-hmm. The new ideal is going to win out eventually. Yeah. And once that new ideal wins out, that's when a new collective conscience is going to be in control of like everything from legislation to trade to you know division of labor and things like that so that's why i think like down down in line and i mean like 50 years from now there there could be talks of a global government because they believe that global interdependence for all of humanity is the best way to go yeah no i can see it well man we we my friend went pretty fast and long this week so quickly through our hour um i guess uh our fun and games uh which one I, I i it was my question milo and otis or homeward bound which is your favorite oh probably homeward bound still homeward bound okay yeah i i mean i guess it is probably the better one because they it has more of the the like communication between the animals and kind of the back and forth whereas milo and Otis is just kind of like hey and they kind of like do their voice and yeah i don't know right they have their yeah, personalities. I, like, I think so. I don't know. What, did you enjoy Milo Notice? Is that a solid movie to you? Or is that like more not not a good movie? <laughs> Real talk, y'all. I have never seen Milo Notice. Oh, God. See, that's <laughs> the thing. A lot of people, so that's the dividing line is, okay, the generation just under after me has seen uh, Homeward Bound more. Because uh, it was prevalent in like late '90s, whereas just in the late '80s, the early '90s. Okay, well, I think, and I think, uh, I think, Milo Notice cut the tail end of the '80s. It's yeah, gonna be like '89, '90, right in there. Like and I was only like four years old then. Yeah, so. interesting. All right, no, it was just like an animal movie take that I was, <laughs> I was hinting at. Was, uh, I was no. asking people earlier, so I figured I'd uh, carried over to the podcast since we didn't have a. Uh, random uh, pop culture segment this week. Mm, that is true. That is true. We did not have a random pop culture uh, segment this week. Uh, otherwise, I'd say we can go ahead and uh, tell tell us what you, you can do to help... Uh, Grow your brain. Yeah, help people out. Uh, so this one I have is definitely a really cool guy who does a lot of video essays about different things. He's called Nerd Writer One. That is his YouTube handle. And he does mainly video essays on politics, arts, and social issues. And definitely it's just the way he breaks things down. He just has this really nuanced take on a lot of things. So if you enjoy people explaining the nuance of style, of culture, 
of art just like anything of that sort he does it and he does it well yeah and i've uh i've checked out some of these videos on the youtube and uh he he he's broken down a lot of like comedic uh points of view and things he'll yeah. he'll, he'll break down like uh how louis ck performs language through and, and linguistically produces a joke when he performs it because of the way that uh, he breaks it down in the videos. And, you know, it's you a should, really good video. Yeah, you should check that out. So yeah, and that's a good that's a good uh, expansion of people's minds to go to YouTube and uh, and check out Nerd Rider One. Woo woo! Uh, I just want to always remind people if they want to get a hold of me, they can uh, they can find me at the Sea uh, Town Mayor on the Twitters. You can tweet at me um, basically anytime. And uh, Mr. Chaz, how can the people get a hold of you, sir? Uh, you can find me at CRSII on the Twitter sphere. Of course, hit me up with those hashtag Bill Watch uh, bills that you want me to talk about. Haven't seen any, but you know, I'm really bad at checking Twitter sometimes too. So, yeah, I'll probably set up an email so you guys can email me. I'll set that up for next week and I'll be better. So, I will catch you guys Donald next Trump. time. <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> He's always out there. Uh, it was actually part of a Nerdwriter video breaking down um, our current president. Oh, uh, yeah. He's um, good. <laughs> it is. It is good. Uh, but, yeah, man, it's a good, solid week. Thanks for uh, ha- living it up, le- learning how we're living. And uh, let's drop out of here. Good night, folks. Peace. Mama told me, ayy, not to sell work Mama, 17, 5, same color t-shirt White Mama told me, ayy, not to sell work